afternoon, you're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and this is Local Media This Week, the programme where we go through the print media here in County Clare and we give our take and uh, have a chat about various things which appear. My name is Jim Collins and I'm delighted to be joined by our usual panel today and that's John S. Kelly. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jim. And Pat O'Brien. Pat, you're welcome. Good afternoon, Jim. And David Fleming. Good to see you again, David. Likewise, Jim. So, a lot of things to get through in today's uh, programme, a lot of different topics. I suppose the one thing, and we were having a chat here before we came on air, and the one thing that really uh, struck us, we saw the front of a, a US Air Force uh, jet mm-hmm. and uh, the word neutrality. And uh, the, on the Clare Champion, it says Sinn Féin vowed to call time on US military of Shannon. And on the uh, Clare Echo, uh, O'Neillan has a report there, our country was never neutral. <laughs> so um, I suppose we try and uh, get our teeth into that. Mm. Um, were we always neutral, John? Uh, a good question. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, to answer it, and for anybody to answer it, uh, requires some kind of a definition of what neutrality means. But uh, before, we, before I give a, a response to that particular question, uh, I'm struck by the strength of the article Sinn Féin vowed to call time on US military use of Now, this is a political statement that it will be a, a clarion cry, a call in the next election. Sinn Féin are committing themselves, mm-hmm. if, and they're going to be in government, we know that, next time round. I think that all the, the odds are that they're going to be in there, unless they make a boobah altogether of the next period leading up. And therefore, we have to face the reality. What could be the consequences of a Sinn Féin initiative in government to terminate the facility in Shannon for overflying, for flying, okay, by American would say Air Force planes and, uh, and the like, okay? And um, if, for example, the United States, as a member of the United Nations, UN, okay, if it decides to respond to a UN request for intervention in some part of the world, which means that uh, the US forces need to be refilling, uh, okay? And they ask Ireland to support by, in fact, allowing the planes with equipment on board, with arms equipment on board, to actually land. What then? Does, yeah. that, does that actually kind of make a, um, an interesting uh, query in, re- in regard to what how, is how would, you de- how would you define neutrality? No, 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 define it all. Well, would you define it for our listeners? We'll come to that. Well, could we come to it? I think it's important. (laughs) It's important now to define neutrality. What I'm saying is, it is quite impossible to define neutrality in its totality because there are factors that will enter in just like the one I just quoted yeah. for you, which you didn't give a response to. Well, 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 well I'm, I'm waiting to, well, like, you know to allow me to give you a response. As I do in the House of Commons, I will <laughs> gladly stand back and allow you to take the, 
the floor at this point. Well, John, um, or, or Jim, what do you think? How would you define neutrality? Well, neutrality is that you're, you're for nobody and you're in the middle in every conflict. Mm. For nobody? You're for nobody. Does that mean for nothing? That's the, I, he asked me what I am my, my neutrality. I don't, my, my own view, I'll give you my own but view. But it's not is, that I'm actually, I'm, I'm just trying to clarify for myself because I'm going to have to give my definition as I was asked eventually. Yeah. But I'm saying, you said there, um, we will not support what, what way did you put yeah, it? Yeah, for nobody, we're, we're not in favour of any either side in any conflict. And if, if the conflict is one of ethics and human rights and diabolical behaviour by a government, and the United Nations does ask the powers that be to intervene, and they ask Ireland, could you, would you mind actually letting us uh, land for refilling as we go to this? Yeah. What then? Then I would suggest that a country is selectively neutral, which isn't neutral at all. Exactly. I mean, I don't think we were ever neutral. And, yeah. that's what and, I, and I don't think any country that, that stands for anything can ever be neutral. I agree with you fully. You know, you, you can't be neutral because, you know, if, if, some, if, if some country, let's say, or, or part of the world where human rights are being trampled on, you cannot be neutral in an argument or a, uh, uh, any kind of a conflict about that. And that's, that's my own view. Is, in the yeah. the thing. The, uh, well, on the point of, of our country was never neutral, yeah. I think that is entirely acceptable. Notwithstanding generations of our successive governments claiming neutrality, because in the Second World War we certainly supported uh, Great Britain, yeah, is, yeah. and we did not support Germany, but even, even we, but they did not go to war even when the human rights violations, the genocide, the Holocaust, and Ireland was invited in on the Allied side, the government at the time refused mm -hmm. and made a point, of course, famously, as we now know, um, the Taoiseach consoled with the German ambassador on the death of oh, Herr Hitler. Herr indeed. Uh, to emphasize this neutrality, but in reality, of course, in, 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 in reality, what was not known at the time yeah. was that uh, English airmen and sailors, no doubt as well, were ferried back up north, whereas the German officers were. Now, that's a complete breach of neutrality. Indeed. Uh, in Switzerland and in Spain, it was different. Spain was, all, Spain was a fascist country at the time and up until the 70s. Um, you would have thought would have supported Hitler, but remained fairly neutral, I would have thought. So were the Germans, when they came down here in the war, when they interned in the Corral? They were interned in the Corral, yeah, they were interned in the Corral. Now, which would you rather have been, as an aside, a German <laughs> officer captured in Ireland or a British officer captured in Ireland? If you were British, you'd be sent back into war. Whereas if you were a German officer, the, your war was finished. Well, you see, it depends on your own personal attitude. Did you, do you like this war or do you, or do you not? Do you want to fight or do you not? Or, or can, do you want to sit it out? But what we're, obviously what we're agreeing on based on what we're saying now is that... Is Ireland was never a neutral Never neutral. And no, I think we can accept that and we yeah. can accept it today. I think Sinn Féin believe in the concept of not engaging on the international stage or facilitating war. Um, the, the United States went to war oh, with Iraq. 
on the basis of flimsy evidence, without a UN mandate, unilateral action, our government responded by allowing our airspace and our, our facilities in Shannon, and they're still doing it. And we, the US Air Force and the Russians and the Turks continue to bomb places in Syria. It's not fully reported in the paper. And I don't know how many thousands of, ch thousands of children and other civilians have died. Now, is that a human rights failure? Mm. It is. And why would we facilitate it? Afghanistan as well. Afghanistan is another great example. Yes, we mentioned the event before the program. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality, John, is that human rights is a very, it's a very tricky game. Because the United Nations also um, stipulates in, in its charter from the 40s, I think it's the 40s, that the integral independence of, of, of nation states, you cannot interfere in, now at times you have to, but the United Nations themselves may not be the right body because it has failed so many times over the years. And because of its constructed nature that the successful, that the winners of the Second World War dominate the Russians, the Chinese, the British, the French, and the US, dominate the Security Council that, we, that the Irish state is now members on, at the expense of India, the European Union, the other members of the European Union, Japan, all the other powerful countries. So it's set so, up. So how would you how would you feel then? I'm I'm with you all the way. In fact, how would you feel uh, about Russia's desire to protect its area of influence? Its area of influence, but yes. not its not its recognised international boundaries. It's going beyond I, its international I, I boundaries. I know that, but uh, the world now our fishermen seem world. to be very interested in protecting our international boundaries <laughs> as well. And there's a nice cartoon in there. <laughs> But I, I'm full of admiration for the fishermen who put themselves out. They certainly were not going to, you know, but they seem to have developed a very um, uh, a pleasant relationship with the Russian ambassador. And we get Was there an exchange of caviar and. I would and, say caviar. And, and prawns, dingle bay prawns. Well, I would say there was, even if it's in the metaphorical kind of a way. Maybe a box of went on to Mr. Putin as well. Maybe. But it was soft diplomacy. It was. And that's, this is what Ireland could be good Absolutely. at. Absolutely. Rather than facilitating warmongering. Yeah. Mm. Like, we forget that 50,000 Irish men were brought into a war which was uh, the First World War, yes. which was, what was that war about? Mm. Was that mm. about the protection of human rights? No, it was no. simply um, slaughter and, and militarism mm -hmm. and arms. Yeah. Um, and, and that's and, why and, and I think Sinn Féin in 1919 yeah. adopted this strict policy of neutrality. I, knew, I know it's tied up with nationalism and anti-Britishism, but it is like the Swiss. And the Swiss have been very successful, partly geographically, but Ireland geographically is out of the way of the rest of Europe, and it would serve us well, except that we happen to be halfway between the United States and Afghanistan. Now, on the other hand, you know, Ireland, at the end of the day, Ireland can't defend itself. No. Well, that, is, that is patiently positive. Just discussed during the week. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, we in... Ireland and probably we in Europe are ultimately 
dependent on the US to defend us in the event of attack from, let's say, the East, from Russia, or from the far or East, China. Rogue, or any rogue nation. Or any rogue nation. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that that's the real politique. So if the US, and we may not approve everything they do, yeah. but at the end of the day, I'm just asking the question, I'm saying, yeah. that, that are they not our, they have been twice in the First World War and Second World War. Mm -hmm. We might be all speaking German now, but for the intervention of the Americans. So, you know, <laughs> while we may not agree with everything mm -hmm. they do, uh, all the time. Yeah. But in general, we are more better disposed towards the Americans yeah. than we would be towards the Russians or the Chinese. Well, and, yeah. you know, that, that's the first thing. The other thing I would say is that a lot of people who have latched on to uh, closing Shannon off to the US military mm. were conspicuously silent back 10, 15 years ago when Shannon Airport was totally shafted by the government of the day in taking the, the goose that was laying the golden egg out of it and bringing it to Dublin. So, I mean, I find that people are, are you know, love to take on Shannon and to take on an issue which would have a certain detrimental effect to yeah. Shannon. And I, I don't think pop yeah. it's kind of a populism as well. It is. Well, I mean, they, they were silent when it came to um, saying anything to do with, yeah. let's say, moving Aretha International out yeah. of Shannon. But I suppose if you which are... Which was a huge issue which went yeah. under the radar. Well, if you're a one-item agenda group, you probably don't get into all the other, because you, you can only focus in on the one matter. Um, the, that, that's what I would say about that. But the, are we disposed to the USA? We, we have lots of connections with the USA. But if we are ever threatened in a conflict yeah. on the scale of a, of, a, of a world war, it'll be over like that. Ireland won't. There's no hope for anything mm. because the next war it will be totally it will be the end yeah. of everything. But how about how about Jim's point though that that. Um, uh, There'll be a stage when we need, we might need external help. Yeah, and that's why no O'Neillan would argue that um, he's not in favour of joining NATO. Interestingly, but is in uh, by implication, I think he's uh, in favour of a European Union mm. army of sorts or mm. common defence, which the European Union does provide for. There is mm. common defence yeah. under EU law. I think we are kind of obliged to come to the aid of a fellow EU member. Could we spend 30 seconds, at least 30 seconds, on the idea, on the, uh, the question of spheres of influence? Okay? This sounds very 19th century Congress of Vienna, John. <laughs> well, uh, so... Um, now, on the Western side, we accept, we seem to accept, that uh, the United States of America is entitled uh, to uh, watch the Cuban situation and the Venezuelan situation because it interferes with their, what, their sense of, uh, if you like, of being a world power. And I wouldn't think so. I would, I, 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 I'll let you in a minute now. Yeah, okay. We go back to the question then of Putin, who's worried sick about the shadow area around the ex, the ex, you know, communist states. 
And that's, as I see, what the Russians are doing at the moment. So you, you accept the, that realpolitik of... Well, our ambassador to the United Nations and our sitting member of the Security Council reminded members that Ireland obtained its independence about 100 years ago and that that meant that no other country had that had to respect the self-determination of the, of the nation and its boundaries and its sovereignty. Under that definition of sphere of influence, Britain should have its sphere of influence over this country because it has had it for 800 years or more. Which it still has. Okay, uh, but we, not in reality. We, we want we, to move on. Yeah. Can we move on from... We can, uh, we can of course. We can. The neutrality ended up... We'll we'll have to come back to it. Okay. Anyway, our thanks to Owen Nealon and the Clerico for providing us with that and also with uh, Owen Ryan right. in the Clare Champion. Uh, Pat, you brought in a copy or portion of a copy of the Irish Examiner because of, the, I suppose, the week that's in it. Yeah, it was last Sunday. Um, we had um, 50th anniversary of um, Bloody Sunday. And um, there's a, a two page article in the Examiner, if any of our listeners want to, to know about it, and maybe they'd be able to pick up one or the other time. There's three pages on it. And uh, it gives a, a comprehensive view on, on what happened from relatives and of, of people that were there and relatives of the people that were killed. Um, choosing not to hate as hate eats your heart. That's just a hidden on it. Bloody uh, Sunday, 1972, the day the innocents died. 14 people died after British soldiers opened fire on a civil rights march in Delhi in 1972. The impact of one of the troubles worst atrocities is still raw 50 years later. Her uncle was killed before she was born, but Aoife Moore says it inspired her to pursue living, to pursue truth for a living. And there's uh, pictures there, and there's um, the one there, I suppose a well-known one of, of, uh, of Father Edward Bailey, and he going with the, with the white handkerchief and they lifting uh, one of the, the, the people that were killed. And, um, there's a, um, there's a lot of, of moving stories in it, and I suppose um, I just read a small bit of Aoife Moore here. In 1972, a bullet from a rifle belonging to a man we have come to know as George Riff ripped through my 31 year old uncle's body and changed, and changed our family forever. Pa- <coughs> Patrick O'Doherty was shot in the back as he attempted to crawl to safety on the darkest day in Derry's history. You can see the belt he wore on the day in a museum in the bauxite. A perfect semicircle blasted through the leather, a perfect shot. The bed lay in my granny's attic for years. Uh, precious evidence for a criminal court case that would never come. My uncle Paddy's last words were reportedly, don't let me die on my own, which he did. Far from his six children, face down the street, while another father of six, Bernard McGuigan, who waved the white handkerchief in an attempt to come to Paddy's aid, was shot through the eye and killed on the spot. It's just some of the, that's a part of Aoife Moore, who was um, a niece of, 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 uh, of the, the, of the dead. And I suppose, Pat, can you feel the, 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 the pain in the article? You would, yeah, yeah, and I think there's a lot of other stories there as well, which is the same way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, None of you were around in the, in, in the 70s, in the early 70s, were you? I was born in 1979, John. Yeah. And well, I remember yeah. 1972. Yeah. Yeah. I was in my leaving cert year in 1972. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> Jim knows the person. It was a period, an era 
the, 19, the late 1960s, which is only like yesterday to me, okay, events were such that there was a constant struggle between emotional reaction and uh, rational reaction. It really was. I had one Leaving Cert student uh, in a history class in 1967, I think it was, who decided she was, she was heading off to join the brigade across the border. It was just after the, I think it would have been around the time that Sean South was shot. I'm not quite sure what year. That was in? That was in Sean South was in the 50s. No, no, he was 59, you see. He was, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, the girl in question did head off and uh, she got to Portumna before on mature uh, reflection she decided that perhaps it wasn't a, yeah but I can understand the emotion yeah. very very well I remember in 19 myself I remember in 19 I can get this fairly precisely you know, 1961 going to a, a student history congress in Belfast and I there were three students at the back and sitting in the back and sitting in the front I was driving a hired car was Professor Hayes McCoy. And uh, we were pulled up at one o'clock in the morning by a series of flashing lights. And there was a short while after the guy, was it Fergal O'Hanlon, was shot in the back, uh, a bit like the bridge in Killaloo, do you know? <coughs> um, and the abuse which was showered on us by the B specials, now uh, they were special, <coughs> I could see how easy it was to be drawn into a military response such as what happened you know in the civil rights movement do you know yeah when the ira took literally yeah. took over delhi but as as i think um, pat has has a story in in that same cork examiner piece where two young fellows who were obviously in Derry in the cold yeah. phase of it joined the IRA yeah. and mentioned hundreds joining the IRA as a direct consequence of Bloody oh, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, because the IRA was seen as a, an organisation to protect capitalists. And yeah, they capitalised on it. There were, you see, there were, say, the, 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 the people, uh, we'd say, Republicans, or whatever you like to call them, they, they, they were being attacked by the, by the, by the Unionist side. And then, then the British soldiers were sent over to protect, to, to save the freedom. Yeah. And they ended up, so they, yeah. they were... It was extremely... And, of course, you have to... I'm not trying to defend it, but I'm trying to look at all the sides. The tension that was up there. And a young soldiers, badly commanded, mm -hmm. has to be said. Um, and it's the same during any war and any conflict. That tension and that fright and that fear on both sides. Um, and it, how easily it can turn into a bloody event. Do you think the, guy, the, guy, the, the commander who gave the orders that day, we all know who he is, Yes. you know? He has not been tried, sure he hasn't? No. There is, as I understand it, there is one case pending. Mm. But it's such a long time ago now, and that, that, the time element is always a factor in judicial But I, I saw his, an interview with him in yeah. the last week, yeah, and I mean, not alone, you know, he's he's defending totally, oh, he's defending, oh, absolutely defending. But I, I'm just thinking, a friend of mine, whose father came from Northern Ireland, who moved to Dublin, a 
friend of mine that I was in college with and teaching with afterwards. Um, and I saw his reaction one day when the name Paisley came up. You know, and it came up in a sort of a light-hearted kind yeah. of way. And this man wasn't a bit light-hearted. Really? Moment. I mean, yeah. you could see the physical change in yeah. him yeah. when somebody was talking about yeah. Paisley. And he would remember in his youth being dragged out of bed in the middle of the night by the bee specials, him yeah. and his family. Yeah. You know, and this would have happened repeatedly. Mm. So it's very hard for us here in the South. Well, it is, and of have course, an idea of no, Northern nationalists feel deserted by the South and by the government. Of course, the response to Bloody Sunday was, wasn't it from Jack Lynch that we won't stand, stand idly by? Idly by. <laughs> and of course, they, as a result, that raised expectations. Indeed. And in the end, nothing happened. They did stand idly by. Well, at least publicly, there was some support, but even elements of the government, the Fianna Fáil government, which just led to the arms crisis yeah. and all the rest. Yeah, yeah. So even the government parties, as that tension, the girl that yeah. you mentioned in Leaving yeah. Cert, you know, the bubbling up of Kelly, feeling. Do you recall Barntollet Bridge? Does that mean anything? No. It was a civil rights march. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. The picture in the news that evening of an, RIC, an RUC inspector betting the so-and-so with a baton yeah. out of one of the marches. That was the, the, the picture that was flashed right across the world. You see, that's okay. it. And, and because the same thing was happening to, to black Americans at the hands of white police officers, it resonated. And that's why it got that international attention. Of course, we forget, and people forget, that this sort of conflict in the north and beatings up hap happen has happened for decades and hundreds of years. Mm. There, there, were, there was rioting in Belfast in uh, every decade uh, from, the, from the 1790s and before even, onwards. But what happens in the 60s was the latest, and it, got, it gets more, more attention. Perhaps you have yeah. something in yeah, the living. On the living section of the champion. And those, uh, they shouldn't have been shot. To the own right speaks to Jerry Neal, who was Shannon President, Charlie Mollison, about the horror of British Sunday. And um, there's a, a photograph there. Charlie Mollison, originally from Derry, fighting to a friend of his who was murdered by the British forces in, in British Sunday in Derry in 1972. So um, it's a nice effort to read and to, uh, about it, you know. And he's, he's, quite a few um, people from the north yeah. were repatriated. In effect. He came down to Shannon and said, What business in Newcastle West? And he had another, opened another factory in, in Smithstone. And he said, Two of his friends who, who had small businesses up in Belfast and up in Delhi were shot on the day. And they had no environment at all in anything. And yeah. he said that the, all they had was the small business and they were looking. He was going up to meet him to, to get some. Uh, they were going to supply him with some stuff from and, there. From and there a, and a, very quick, a very quick similar historical analogy. The same thing happened in the 1790s in Armagh, um, uh, where Protestants attacked Catholics. And a great number of Catholic refugees ended up in the Galway, yeah. uh, this part, and in Mayo. So, so this, 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 unfortunately, um, there are parallels. Yes. Okay, we'll move on. I'm looking at the front page of the Care Champion, and Dan Danaher has a piece there quoting uh, Amy Foley. No sentence will ever be long enough. And I know it's, it's also on page seven of the Clare Echo where uh, Amy Foley was uh, abused by her father 
who was sentenced to five years for abusing his only daughter. And she has, uh, she, she didn't want her anonymity. She, she was happy she to be out. I mean, this, this really is an awful story, isn't it, Jim? Um, like, it's very hard to read the detail in this story, which Amy recounts, and it was her father that did it. He was a 44-year-old man. Um, and uh, she's, she's enormously brave, as all these women are who, who waive their anonymity. The, I think the real scald of it, and I, I don't think we need to, we let the, um, I mean, she was raped, um, she was videoed and sexually assaulted, uh, and you can, people can read all about that themselves. But what's worse is that I don't think she feels that she's got justice. The man got five, a five-year sentence. How do you explain that? Because he pleaded guilty, I think. I think he pleaded guilty, as far as I can see. And as a result, when you plead guilty, I think the judge waives a portion of the sentence. I, it's, hard, it's hard to stomach, I have to say. Um, because this person's life has been ruined and um, as she calls it herself it's, it's, she'll never recover yeah. um, it's Dan Danner has the, has the story on page one and it continues on page two and it's a very long piece mm -hmm. but it's yeah. worth you know reading the, the, yeah. the sentence was, was, was 12 years tw 12, was it? and it was mitigated to 7 or reduced yeah. to 7 due to uh, mitigating yeah. circumstances and then the last two of the seven were suspended. So in effect, he's only going to spend five years in prison. And, and presumably, post. he would get time off for good behaviour yeah. from the yeah. five years. So, you know, he, he could be able to go. The words she used to describe the, the, the father and her experience in this is, puts a shiver down the, the, the spine, a monster. He was a, 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 a paedophile. You are an animal. The pain still runs through my body every hour of every day. You raped me, Dad. You raped me on that night. And in my head, you rape me every day. God Almighty. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's, it's okay. I can imagine if someone pleads guilty to a, to a crime, it spares the court expense and bother and time, etc. <laughs> You know, but I mean, for something like that, the sentence, I think anyway, should be so high um, that, I mean, I think the guy should have to, or any person in that regard should be talking about 15 to 20 years in prison, and minimum. Ten, and would you add in as well with that, that people who engage in domestic violence, even short of, of the rape, but the physical violence, the emotional uh, violence, uh, the women's organisations that I've been reading about over the last couple of weeks seem to come out as well with a demand for serious sentencing. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. And we, we have, I think we, um, and I've tried to understand and I've tried to rationalise it and I've tried to listen to the judges who are our representatives, mm -hmm. they are our servants as citizens of the Republic. I've tried to listen to the way they sentence well, I think they, as a country, we have got it seriously wrong. And I think we need a significant review. Now, who am I to say anything like this? But I'm an ordinary citizen. Uh, compared to other countries, compared to our nearest neighbour, Britain, 
The sentencing over there is far more, uh, it's very different. It, there's a lot more years given, and it seems about right, if you ask me. For some reason, we've diverged along the way. Is it because we can't afford to keep people in prison? They would never admit that if that was the case, and if that was the case, that would be a serious dereliction. A few years ago, we spent 50 million on Taunton Hall coverage. A bought a fair above in Dublin, Taunton Hall, 50 million it cost. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, they spent 5 million in putting a road into it and putting lights on it. This is for the prison, the new prison. The new prison, and it's still there as a, a big fair. And a, beacon, a beacon to what or for what? Of stupidity. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it functioning? It's, not, it's, it's just never built. It's never built? Never built, no. yeah. 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 But there is something, you see, the judges probably don't care where they go. From their point of view, they should be just sentencing people without thinking about it. It's somebody, it's, the st it's another arm of the state that needs to worry about where to put them. Hmm. They should only be thinking about what sure is an appropriate sentence and hmm. what is a justifiable. I mean, it's this sense of justice. This woman, I don't think, has got justice. Yeah. What no. about, okay, and that, Jim, yeah. apropos that very... Very uh, you have the Gardaí probe and this feud video. We can mention it in the second half. Yeah, it's sure. a serious question in the paper. Okay. Listen, we leave. We take a break there. We come past our break time. Pat, have we piece of music? Well, John, you you like this one this week? We have Percy French. He was born in Cluny, Greenhouse, Tullos, in County Roscommon, on the first of eighteen fifty-four, and he died on January the twenty-fourth, nineteen twenty. And we have Are You Right There, Michael? Are You Right? Somewhere I bring an old order. A lovely version of it. Well done. You may talk of Columbus's sailing across the Atlantic Sea, but he never tried to go railing from Manus as far as Kilkee. You run for the train in the morning. The excursion train starting at eight. You're there when the clock gives the warning, but there for a no you will wait. And as you're waiting in the train, you'll hear the guard sing this refrain. Are you right there, Michael? Are you right? Do you think that we'll be home before the night? Ah, you've been so long and starting that you couldn't say for certain. Still, you might now, Michael, so you might. You're very welcome back. You're listening to Local Media this week on Scarf Bay Community Radio. John, one area you just wanted to mention there yeah. before we finished part one was the, uh, the feud videos in Ennis. That's right. Uh, Jessica Quinn. Shocking video footage of attacks on homes and cars in Ennis, understood to be linked to a, an ongoing feud, Jim. Now, the plumbing thing has been shown on the social media then, where they, 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 the gang arrive and they put a few blocks through your, your front window, they video it, and then it's spread around. Yes. What in the name of God, like? Seems a bit stupid, course. though, doesn't it? it? Because if, if it's enough. evidence, it can be produced in evidence, presumably against uh, you. And can it be produced? I mean, it's a guy who puts the brick through the window. And I, under I understand that it can be produced. Can. Yeah. So anyway, the, the people, the, the, um, uh, the citizens of Ennis are begging, begging for more police. Okay? 
And we have got to accept that we need to spend the money on security, on the police. Okay. More taxation money, that's all I'd say about that now. Yeah. Okay. I won't say anything. I know you won't. Patrick <laughs> Brian, uh, there's a piece in the paper where, and something we often mentioned, something in Tulla, that we often mentioned over the course oh, yeah. of the last number of months, oh, and that's uh, thefts in Tulla graveyard, but uh, the, the Gardaí have that solved. Yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a, um, a lady that uh, has, been, has been in court and she's been remanded, so she's just funny us. And uh, women has missed multiple tests from graves, uh, Ronan Judge says that he, a woman pleaded guilty to the theft of flowers, ornaments and other items from, from graveyards and players. Um, she, was, she, she committed the offences over a long period between 2020 and 2021 at the Lord court. Um, she was uh, she guilty to 18 thefts, chapters of theft. Um, the the offences were carried out between May 2020 and April 2021 at Tuller Grave, from Cliff and Timpy Media Grave. The total value of the item stolen was 597 euros and 50 cents. Okay, so at least, I mean, in fairness to the to the people, who, yeah. you know, whose yeah. family members are buried in these graveyards, that the yeah the guardy have seemed to have got to the bottom. Of yeah, Gavin Upton said he, he had spoken to the victims, and in general view was one of the concerned. They were very decent people. He had people. Um, she was remanded in bail. I don't want to be caught on him, but she was remanded in bail until the until made it home. And I think her solicitor, who's quoted in the paper, is saying, um, told the court her client has certain difficulties that she did not want to go into in open court, but presumably, presumably that may help explain these actions, which yes. we can't obviously excuse, but there, there are probably reasons there. Yeah, okay. And I suppose another um, matter to come before the courts, Patrick. Yeah, there's, there's, there's one here in the North West Care siblings convicted of assault by a battery of their end. <laughs> Assault is connected to a dispute between brother of the victim and another sister of the family band. <coughs> Glasses were off her face, there was an egg sitting on, on her chest, her trousers on her legs, and the back and the back headrest of her car was dripping with eggs. Um, it looks like it's a, um, a, a, a dispute over land, and uh, this woman was passing her brother's place, and uh, the little one. Denise anyway decided, oh, one of them was 25 and the other was 20, and they decided that they uh, go out and lay on the care with, uh, with, uh, with eggs. Well, whatever the reason, there's no excuse for that. Cha-ching! Would you like your eggs scrambled, Jim, if you were being the... The, 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 the court was held in, 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 um, in Goft anyway, so... Um, uh, it's put back, uh, the people are protect for sentencing until the, uh, until May, for the May, the May court. So I suppose it's a bit unusual that uh, you'll get attacked by eggs. Well that's the beauty <laughs> of the, I suppose, the provincial press, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Those kind of stories wouldn't yeah. make the national press. No, I see you, that could, that's quite that could arrive up now and they, they do the provincial papers on the national radio there and it could, yeah. it, it could be, it could yeah. be quoted there yeah. the next couple of years. Did those eggs come from a battery? <laughs> And uh, would you call that an, extra, an extraordinary story? You would. Oh my God. Well, this is, we should be writing the headlines for the Sun newspaper. Okay. Uh, Holy Island. David, you spotted something there, I think, on the east there. That's David. right. It's, uh, it's the, we, we've covered it before, but it's just an update, really. Um, um, and it's on page 13 of the East Clare. Fiona McGarry has the story. 
the headline is Time Frame Outlined for Holy Island Visitor Centre. And of course, the great news came last year that uh, uh, they had secured, the council had secured money to um, uh, transform the old rectory in Mount Shannon and make yeah. it into the visitor centre for Inish Caltra. And um, at the January meeting of the Killaloo Municipal District, Councillor Pat Burke sought an update on work to develop the centre and to provide visitor amenities on the 41-acre island. Um, and he obviously uh, went into a little bit of detail, um, but he was responded to anyway by uh, the director, sorry, the tourism officer, Joan Tarmy, who outlined the time frame. She said, um, and she said that opening up works have commenced and uh, site investigations, they want to make sure it's safe from asbestos and things like that, but that um, they expect it to be operational by the second quarter of, uh, the second or third quarter of the year 2023, which is next year. So next summer could potentially see the opening. Absolutely. So it's good news, we'll see if they can hold to those. You never know, of course, with an old building what you might come across, but let's hope it's straightforward. In the, in the rectory? In the rectory. Oh, well, the rectory was, was, was re completely refurbished back in 19, uh, s uh, s around 1970. Exactly. Frank and Cook. Asbestos was in full use in the 1970s. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing that they'd be looking yeah. for. Okay. Uh, we were talking about neutrality in the first part of the programme today and I mean some of our neutrality often might centre between the Americans and the Russians and the, the tensions on the Ukraine border but there's at least one East chairman Pat who isn't that worried about the current tensions in, in the Ukraine. Yeah James Tracy is a nice photograph of it here uh, uh, with his camera and, and, and page three of the Clare Champion. And the, the heading is Ukraine dating to as I on, on Russians. I suppose uh, we're coming up to the you know, to, to the 14th of February, so I suppose to the it's a good story. Are you making plans, Pat? Are you looking to Ukraine? I'm not. I think I've gone past that now. Yes. <laughs> yes. As yeah. tensions between Russia and Ukraine kind of to escalate, and he's clear to our operator planning a dating tour to Kiev. He said he has not, he's not unduly, unduly concerned. Scarf James Tracy told the champion that he is keeping a watch out on the situation ahead of a planned tour and will stick to whatever advice he is issued from the Department of Foreign Affairs. Mr. Tracy, who repeatedly insisted there will be no risk to the safety of the 50 million he aims to bring to the Ukraine, said he doesn't see the current crisis along the Ukrainian border as a particular cause for alarm. Well, he mightn't see it, but if you were one of those 50 love-struck men, would, would love win out or would the sensible actually stay away from the conflict zone? Take, take a lesson from the fishermen's dealing with the, with the Russians. And bring over, some, um, bring over some prawns with you to convince the ladies. Well, I know a couple who were married this past Wednesday. Yeah? And on Thursday, they, they're going on a honeymoon later in the year. Yes. But they decided this week they'd go on what's called a mini-moon. Yes, a little short, a little break. break. Yeah, 
so where do they fly out to on Thursday? Kiev. Kiev. Because the prices are probably so cheap. I'm sure they are. Uh, yeah. Presumably, and there certainly wouldn't be any, any scarcity of seats. No, <laughs> no. But, uh, but I don't think I would want to uh, fly into Kiev. No, unless you're really interested in it. Could you link up with them on, on, the, on the phone for on the video? Phone? Yeah, we might have a chat with them when they come back. Yeah, just yeah. to hear as well that if, if uh, Mr. Tracy was also a professional photographer, David, and so on, so our money would be refunded in the winter of a group. Well, what happens, Pat, um, if, you're, if, if you're out there, you're having your little date with the, uh, with the nice Ukrainian person, and, um, and suddenly she's called away to the front lines. Do you follow her to the front lines? I imagine you're a bit of support. Once you're out there, it's out, you're, on, you're up to yourself. <laughs> you <laughs> declare your neutrality and you skedaddle back home. Anyway, James is doing very well if, uh, from a photographic point of view. Yeah. Member of the NUJ mm -hmm. and um, you know does a lot of serious work as well. But you know, James, uh, Pat is hugely taken by this particular, yeah, you know, um, Tour that's yes. coming up. Could we send him out as a fly on the wall to report <laughs> back to and the Scarf Bay Radio? tensions in We could apply him as our correspondent, our yeah. Kiev correspondent okay. on all matters. Let's, looking at, we need to move on. Uh, I see in the, the North and West Clare page, uh, they're looking for, I think it's page 14 in the Clare Champion. They're talking about wind power and uh, the Clare. Since it is facing the Atlantic, it must be front and centre for wind power. Connor Cassie has are a story we, there. I, I mean, are we responding to that? Uh, there's no evidence we are, I don't think, but maybe we are and, and we, we haven't. It, but as citizens, we need to be aware. Okay? I mean, from Money Point up to, up to Loop Head? Yes. I mean, we're not. We're, we don't appear to be kind of um, pushing it quickly enough. Well, it's not making the headlines. Nathan Shanahan, Shanahan was in at the, with the, um, the industrial committee in the door in the yesterday. And um, uh, uh, what you call that lady from um, Ina, what you call that? Uh, Gavri. Gavri. Rotin Gavri. Gavri, she's a senator, and she asked him about West Clare. And and, uh, and, uh, and he said that they would they they're in consultation with a lot of firms uh, on on wind on wind um, firms out in the Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. But, but but I mean the evidence is here. They, they, there are two companies um, on according to Planner Policy. We've covered this a few times. Yes. But this doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot of no, the, with, with our planning laws. Um, it does a whole. This will take years before but it comes off. But it there are two plans. I'll just give you the example. There are two plans in place for development of off, off the off the coast of West Clare. Um, I don't know why they don't say simply Clare, because the East Clare doesn't have a coast. But anyway, uh, Simply <laughs> Blue, it's called, and Shell Inc. Yeah. deliver 1.5 gigawatts from their Western Star project, while the ESB, which we've covered before, yeah. looks at to deliver 1.4 gigawatts through their Green Atlantic project. Now, it's not going to happen in but a series no, of months. David, we lost the contract with the Norwegians. Yeah. As a result of... Well, delays, not having bureaucratic inefficiencies. Yeah. Not the reality. I mean, I'm not making that up. Oh no, Do that's not. true. But other development, like the ESB, will proceed and find other partners. Like, yeah. I mean, 
we have one member of one party of government is the Green Party, and they're not going to want to see any delays in any of this. And from a from the um, uh, the, the the climate conference perspective, the, everybody's on this agenda. It's it's just uh, how quickly you can proceed because you do have to respect some people may not want this and they must go through due process. Plus, well, I'd, uh, I'd limit the amount of of. Uh, uh, due process that I'd uh, allow. Well, of course, and that's why the law provides that it goes straight to implore plan yeah. if it's considered of strategic yeah. importance, which many of these will be, I suspect. Now, I see on the same page, page 14, uh, you know, energy of a different kind, uh, biogas in Gart, and any of us who have driven through Gart in recent times yeah. would have seen multiple signs uh, kind of saving, they want to be saved from Biogas and go. I don't know. What bio are we talking about, Jim? I, I'm not 100 percent sure now. Bio. Uh, yeah. I had presumed biogas is something like effluent or yeah. yeah it's, it's a conversion it's process. Conversion from 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 silage from effluent cattle cattle yeah. or any or anything and the transformation anything, into yeah. gas, but. The, the newspaper unfortunately doesn't give any reasons. They more they give us a photograph of, of WB Yeats and um, Lady Gregory, or two actors pretending them to be. It's a very clever ploy on behalf of the citizens up there mm -hmm. to bring attention. But unfortunately, they don't tell us why they're against it. Yeah, they're definitely very much against it in Garth, so mm -hmm. maybe somebody might at some stage maybe, maybe talk to us and yeah. see why, why they... Because I know they, they were floating an idea like that at one time for the uh, chipboard plant in Scarf as a, as a possible... You, this is many years mm -hmm. ago now, yeah. after it closed. Well, unless it's some sort of a safety issue, potentially. Is it, is it a safe manufacturer? We, we, we'll investigate it. Yeah, well, we the the correspondence. If the correspondence for the North and West Clare section of the paper of the Clare Champion could maybe do a little bit more work for us in that regard. Yeah. And we now, could then talk about it. On the previous page, then, page 13, and we're yeah. sticking with the energy, uh, the calls to launch a UNESCO site bid for the iconic power station, which, of course, we see any time if we go to Limerick yeah. by the Broadford Road here, we will see that yeah. in Northern Crusher. David, of course, this, on that one. This, is the, this was the great hope in the 1920s, as wind power is the great hope now. Mm. In the 1920s, it was hydroelectric power. Um, and it was the first... Every schoolboy and schoolgirl will know that uh, it, was, it, it was the great moment, the becoming moment of becoming for the new Irish Free State, yeah. in that it demonstrated that it could produce its own electricity and it could produce a project of this magnitude in a relatively short period of time. Now, just think about it. Just think about this. They proposed to dam the Shannon. Imagine if that proposal came out today. I mean, we'd probably laugh at it, but they proposed in the 1920s and they got it done. And it did produce, I think, um, uh, I don't know what the statistic is given. Is there a statistic given initially? But it produced a, a good share of, of electricity need in 1920. And now it only produces... Yeah. It's around, around the whole country. I can't... Uh, Sean Tracy here. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Tracy believes the power station should be designated in UNESCO site saying, and the culture is an iconic place. At one stage, the question was distributed over the whole country. What was in the control going turned on and off the electricity for the whole country? 
Yeah, I think it's, I, I, as, as we, I think we were saying before we came on air, architecturally or even technologically it's not that important, but as a symbol of the free state and yeah. as a moment in time, uh, it's, it's important. And if it gets that sort of unit, like it's an interesting place to visit if you do, it's open to visitors. If it gets this UNESCO um, status, now there's, I would say there's a lot more sites in this country which should get UNESCO status before this. Um, I, I, there's a, even Inish Kaltra probably deserves it more than this. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, it, there is a case to be made for it. Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. We're um, looking at, I suppose, a bit of good news now. Uh, and it comes, I'm looking at page 20 in the Clare Echo, where uh, under the Tuller notes it says that St. Patrick's Day is back and the St. Patrick's Day parade um, is going to happen this year. So Presumably, Jim, every St. Patrick's Day locally will be back, do you think? Yeah, I know that I, the Scarlet Committee have met, so I'm presuming that other places as well. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's a good new story to see that St. Patrick has been... And I see the other as well, the, the Chola Pipe Band are looking for uh, some people to join, young people to join as well. For the, they're, they're actually in there recently, I think. That's right, yeah, it's on page so, 20 as well. So yeah. uh, if there's any yeah. young people out there interested in playing... Uh, They'll, they'll be trained and all, you, the, you know, you don't have to have any, there's a, any special um, There's a very important music. little article by Porrick McMahon. The ball is in the public court, okay, where he's alerting the people of the county, please, the upcom upcoming consultation events in relation to the development plan for the county. Uh, Clarecastle, February the 3rd. Kilmehill, February the 8th. Tulla, February, Feb the 9th and your market on Fergus, the 10th, from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. And it's a great opportunity yeah. for the citizens to acquaint themselves with what, in fact, is going to be the uh, development uh, And plan. dare I say it, I think the radio station here is going to engage in the same consultation process in, in, in a way, aren't we? Well, we're attempting anyway. Yeah. So hopefully, that so stay tuned. That will happen. But we are very anxious that people be aware that it's important. That there's no point in, in getting upset about it next year <laughs> when when the, the plan is passed. Now they should know. Yeah. So now, Pat, um, we're coming to the end of the show, uh, and I know we'll be asking in a moment maybe to play a bit of music. Have you? Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, just, I'm just that. like to say here, yeah, uh, congratulations to Colin Cleehan. Uh, his first major title for Cleehan is the heaven here. Orfield Colin Cleehan had claimed the first major elite single title of his hand by Cleehan. Got the morning course in Bedford was the winner for Cleehan. Uh, Cleehan reigned supreme in the, in the 20, 22 Irish four bar, four world adult nationals. Fourteen current beat his doubles partner, Dermot Nash of Scarif, in the final. Came in to win, claiming the win following a thrilling 11-6 uh, tiebreak, in which was marked as a major breakthrough for his handball career. Uh, just, I just like to congratulate Colin. I know Colin very nice, very nice fella. He actually won a won a hefty uh, medal with a, a few few years ago when he's you won this with uh, Alscol Reach, one of their hefties. So. Okay, so we all add our congratulations. Indeed. So great to see two Claremont, East Claremont. Yeah, the two play together and they're supposed to be playing in the single island singles now will be played and uh, normally the, the nationals are played in November but it's supposed to be yes. COVID and all so they're played now and then you look at the, the championship coming up now Monsters and okay. all islands and the doubles in 
suppose they'll be, they'll be trying out, they'll be going for the doubles later on. Okay, thanks Pat. We've come to the end of our programme then. Uh, first of all, our thanks to uh, John S. Kelly for, for joining us today as usual. And to Pat, thank, thank you Pat. You. And to David. Thank you. Uh, and hopefully that uh, you'll join us again next Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock when we have a look over uh, the Clare local papers. Now, before we finish, uh, Pat, have you any bit of news? We'll, we'll go back to Percy French again. Uh, <laughs> the the man who closed the West Clare River. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Mountains of Moon with Don McLean. Okay. That was another one of his, his um, he pinned. Lovely. Pat, thank you very much. Uh, that's all from us today. See you next Sunday. Goodbye and God bless. Oh Mary, this London's a wonderful sight with people here working by day and by night and they don't sow potatoes nor barley nor wheat but there's gangs of them digging for gold in the street at least when I asked them that's what I was told so I just took a hand at this digging for gold, but for all that I found there, I might as well be in the place where the dark morn sweeps down to the sea.